John 1, 1 through 18, our key verse is going to be verse number 14. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When you get there, say amen. amen. Verse number 14, the gospel of St. John is on, is on the screen. Chapter 1, verse 14. I'm really being nice today. Amen. Look at your own work. Just look. Order is the word. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 14. Are you there? All right, let's read together. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's say it again. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we're going to be talking about today, we are in part three on the volume five on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But we're going to be talking about the word of God was made flesh. The Word of God was made flesh. We're going to find out why is that. The Word of God was made flesh. When you begin to see everything that God has done for us, then God's going to ask you for something. The message, I got two more messages coming ahead that God's going to ask for something. One of the greatest things you're going to see, and you're going to see what you're doing. You're going to see what you're doing to the Holy Spirit. God is going to give me this week, he showed me this week and next week everything he's doing. And then, then, he gonna, then I'm going to bring another message showing what people are doing when they walk against the Spirit. See, that's what we're going to see. Now, we're going to talk about the Word of God was made flesh. Holy Spirit, we thank you now for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for giving us your Spirit. Thank you for being our Heavenly Father. Now we ask you for leadership and guidance. Thank you for the anointing that destroy yokes and lift burdens. Now we bless you, we praise you, we appreciate you. In the precious name and precious blood of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Now thank you for the unction of the Spirit. Thank you for teaching us, leading us, and guiding us, and helping us to understand. In Jesus' precious name we pray, and the church said amen. amen. All right, now, uh, let's, let's look at some things. We're going to show you where we came from. Now last week we just showed you uh, what is the free gift of God. That is the question we asked you last week. What is the free gift of God? Now, if you're in this church, you ought to know what the free gift of God is. If you're in this church. But I'm going to go through that again. What is the free gift of God? That's not your message today. But there are three righteousness in this Bible. And if you don't get it right, you missed it. My wife woke me up last night. I'm going to say 12, 1 o'clock. And she said to me, we talked about this word righteousness, but if you don't get it right, you're just going to become a church member. You go to church all your life, and then you're not going to, you didn't get it right. You didn't get it right with God. You didn't even know what God was saying to you. There's an awesome thing. God said, I'm going to show you three different places in the word of God. Uh, 
Now, this word of God today uh, is part, I think we're on part number three and four. Right. We're doing three right now, right? Under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, volume five, right? But last week we gave you volume one and two. We showed you what is the free gift of God. And then I asked you a question. I says, if you know what the free gift of God is, do you know what it is? I gave you this verse. I said, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. This is what I gave you. In Romans chapter 6, verse number 23, this is what I asked you. I said, the way, this is what they're about, this, it's going to give you two things. I said, on the Old Testament, you have the first half of that verse, and then you're going to have the second half of that same verse. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 said, the wage of sin is death. That was on this side of, the, of, of, the, of that verse. Because you hadn't gotten to the cross. So you said the wage of sin is death. Death hadn't taken place yet. Christ hadn't died. But then it said, see the little semicolon up there? Then that's the that's end of a sentence. But you come on this side, the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see what has happened? The gift of God has come. God has given us the gift of God. But now, then I asked the church last week, and I know you already know, but don't guess out and blab because you could be wrong. And I asked you, what is the gift of God? Now, I'm going to give you the verse today to show you one more time the gift of God. Let's go back to, and I'm not going back to my notes. I'm just going to minister my spirit till I get to where I'm going. So let's go back to Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Uh, yeah, we can start verse 20. Romans chapter 3. He's going to tell you what the gift of God is. There it said the gift of God is eternal life, but it didn't tell you what the gift of God was. So the key, if you, got the, if you have eternal life, you got to know what the gift of God is. Now, if I was over here with Peter, James, and John, then I know the gift of God would be Jesus Christ himself. Because God so loved the world. See, see, people take that and put it over here where we at. You can't. Because that's John 3.16. So God so loved the world over here, he gave his only begotten son. He did not give his son to you. He gave his son for you. But he gave his son to these people over here. We'll see it together. He said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son to the Jewish believer. He came for the Jews. But the Bible said, whosoever believeth over here, whoever believeth that he's the Christ. If you're going to use that verse over here, you believe in total difference. You believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. Over here, they had to believe that he's the Christ, the Son of God. Do everybody understand that? Right, so whosoever believeth in him. So you have to know what you believe. You're on this side, you believe in death, burial, and resurrection. They believe that he was the Christ, the Son of God. But by them, by them believing that, watch what it says, should not perish. Now the key didn't tell them they were saved, did he? But he told them they're going to have some. See, everything was promised because Christ hadn't died. If they believe in him, they should not promise. If I tell you, if I tell you, you should not go to hell, <laughs> that's not good enough, is it? Right. But they should not perish, but, but, they, but have everlasting life. Well, you're not going to get everlasting life until you get on this side of the cross. Because Christ had not given his life. So you couldn't have it, right? All right. Now, 
Here's another one. Just show, these are just things you got to show them. You go back now to John chapter 8, verse 30. Just going to show you two or three snapshots. John chapter 8, verse 30. Now, Jesus is talking to people. You know, you know what stirs me? Because in the old covenant, during the days of Noah, eight people were saved. You're talking about out of the whole world. Now, that's an awesome thing for eight people to be saved by the whole world. And we come over here to the New Covenant, we just think we got it. Just like, boop. It's not that easy. The bottom line is that easy, but the thing about it is, watch what he's going to say to these believers. He's talking to people who is following him every day. Every day of the week, these people get up and follow Jesus. Jesus, and he spake these words, many believed on him. He's talking to people who believed. Then said Jesus, those Jews, watch this, was believed on him. Watch what he said to them. If you continue, this is the whole thing with people. You can't just hit and miss and hit and miss. Listen, once you get the spirit, you're going to begin to see. Now, if, if you're in a situation where you work, uh, for example, like, like my brother right here works, uh, he works in a situation where all of his work really is summer work. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a lifestyle, how you live your life. Okay, not I work Sundays, I don't work Sundays, that ain't what I'm talking about. All right, put, put that up there again. It, then said Jesus, those Jews who believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Now watch what he says. They finally got to being a disciple. People think of you a disciple, you say, no, Jesus had 12 disciples. And one of them was the devil. So don't mean you're saved because you're a disciple. All right. And then he said to them, and you shall, future tense, know the truth. Now, there's the spirit of truth and there's the word of truth. You shall know the truth. And then when the Holy Ghost has come, he's going to make you free. Spirit of truth, word of truth. You can't get the word of truth until the spirit of truth has come. Because when the spirit of truth has come, he's going to teach you all things. All right, so now those people are following him, but if they didn't continue after his death, burial, and resurrection, if they didn't continue, they'd still be lost. Because they had to go on until they found Paul. Because Paul is the only one that the Holy Ghost gave the, spirit, the word of truth to. Go to Ephesians 1.18. I'm sorry, Ephesians 1.13. See, what happened with people is we, we just think we okay with God and, you know, no, no it's don't, it don't work that way. God watched your lifestyle. He watched how you walk. He watched how you live. He watched how you respect his authority. He looked at the whole picture. Watch what Ephesians 1.13, and in whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth. See the word of truth? You shall know the truth, and then the truth will make you free. Well, only somebody preached the word of truth was Paul. He said, in whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Then he told you the Holy Ghost was the earnest of your inheritance. The earnest of your inheritance. Otherwise, the first or uh, the beginning of your inheritance. All right. Now, with all that in mind, all that in mind, now John is going to give us 
the, what I first I talked about the free gift. Let's go back to the free gift here. I told you Romans chapter 3, verse 20. That's what I'm waiting for. Now, in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, told us what the gift of God. I'm going to give you two or three verses, then I'm going to move out of there, okay? But you want to tell me what the gift of God is. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. Justified means made right with God. In his sight, by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. So that means you need to take the word manifested because what am I teaching you today? And the word was made flesh. It's not hard. I said the word of God. The word of God is made flesh. The word made flesh means manifested. So you need to have that word down manifested. The word of God was manifested. Now, if the word of God was manifested, then I got to know what that means. Because that means I cannot be saved by John's teaching. John's teaching of Christ, teaching the same person, but he's teaching before the cross. And before the cross, the word was manifested. The word was made flesh. Christ had not died. All right, so that's what you want to look at. Now, let's keep, but now the righteousness of God. Now, I told you, Romans 6, 23 said, the ways of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So what is eternal life? No, that verse right there told you. See, you are saying the gift of God, but you're not, that verse is not telling you what the gift of God is. I'm telling you what the gift of God is. There's three righteousness. And there's only one, the gift of God. See, what happened is people are trying to be saved by the law of righteousness. They're trying to be saved by righteousness, by faith. But they have not received the gift of righteousness. So I'm on, that's what I'm showing you. I'm going to show you here, and I'm going to show you in Romans chapter 5. In Romans, Paul talked about three different righteousness. Now here, watch what he's talking about here. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Manifested. See, John is talking about a manifested Jesus. So this is why Paul is telling you, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Well, when was the law, when was the righteousness of God witnessed by the law and the prophets? I'm going to show you that a little later on. It was at the Mount of Transfiguration. Because at the Mount of Transfiguration, there, there were two people that Jesus saw. Now, I'm just going to give you this one out of Matthew. Go to Matthew 17. So when the Bible says he was witnessed by the law and the prophets, you got to know what he's talking about because the righteousness of God. He just told you the righteousness of God. So the, when the Bible said Romans 6, 23, the, when he said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, then you got to know what the gift of God is. So that's why you need to put what he got, the gift of God, you need to put down there the gift of righteousness. Or you can put down there the gift of forgiveness, which is the same word. Okay, I'm not going back there. I'm just Romans 3 something I'm at. I already give you Romans 3, 20. This has got to be 21, 22. Now, in verse 22, call it even the righteousness of God. Do you see it now? 
even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Under all, and upon all them that believe, there's no difference. Now, now go down to verse number 30. See, in verse 30, then he's going to clarify and show the Jews and the Gentiles how they're going to receive. Seeing is one God which shall justify, the word justify is make righteous, declare innocent, not guilty. The circumcision which were Jews by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. So now I got something to work with. I know how one is justified, I know how another is justified. One is justified by faith, one is justified through faith. All right, now what I want to do is I want to go and show you one more. Go to Romans 5. Now, I want to read this out of the NLT. Well, let's read it out of King James first. Verse 15 through 19. Romans 5, 15 through 19. I'm headed to my message. Then I want to read verse 15, 16, 17 out of the NLT. First, King James. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 15, he's going to say, but not as the offense also is the free gift. Do you see the word free gift there? Remember that Romans 6, 23 says the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God. And I told you the free gift, remember? The free gift of God. All right, the free gift of God, it says, but not as an offense, so also it's a free gift. See? If through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift, the free gift, is by grace. So the free gift is how? That means you can't get water baptized and get it. You know what, you know what, I, I'll be glad when people in the body of Christ get so bold until they stand up for what they believe. All right, because he's going to say here, but not as the offense, so also with the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more, the gift of God, I'm sorry, the grace of God. Now he's still talking about the free gift, the grace of God, and the gift by grace. So he's telling you your salvation is by grace which is by one man, Jesus Christ. So the free gift or the gift of God or your God's righteousness is by grace. So there's no way you can earn this or get this. Now you think about all the multitude of people think if they water baptized, they're saved. See, that's why I told you there's not going to be many people saved. There are not many people are. There are not many people who believe like the Bible. I'm waiting on the next verse. So that's all, I'm just... Talking until you get there. Has abound to many. Next verse says, And not as it were by the one that sinned, so also is the gift. He keeps telling you about the gift. For the judgment was by one the condemnation. But the free gift, once again, he's telling you the free gift, is of many offenses under justification. Then in verse number 18, I just said, so we'll go on. The next verse. Therefore, as the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. See, the only thing can get rid of condemnation is righteousness. Even so, the righteousness of one, the free gift came. So he's telling you how did God righteous come as a free gift. Came upon all men on the justification of life. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, that was Adam, many were made sinners, but so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So he's telling you made righteous by Christ. Now I need that same verse in the NLT. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. 
See, what you're supposed to be doing is, what is God's gracious gift? Don't, don't let all this pass by and you don't still know what the gift is. The ways of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Well, what is it? There's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but the greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift. Now he's telling you what it is. See, that's why I asked you last week, would you write that in your Bible? Because the gift of righteousness is also the gift of forgiveness. And you can't give this to anybody if you don't have it yourself. See, that's what happened. You can't forgive if you have not received forgiveness. So God give you his righteousness, his forgiveness, so you can share it with others, so you can forgive others, so you can love others. You can't love me if you, unless you can forgive me. That's what loving me is. All right, let's, let's keep going. I'm in Romans 5. His, his gift of forgiveness to many through, through the, this other man, Jesus Christ. Next verse. And the result of God's gracious gift, he's still talking about the gift, is very different from the, from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift, talking about the gift of righteousness, leads to our being made right with God. So when God forgave you, he made you righteous, and he also has justified you. Same three words. Also, even though we are all guilty of many, many sins, but God forgave us. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even the greater is God's wonderful grace, which is this gift of righteousness. Now he tell you, one place he says for gift of forgiveness, this place he says the gift of righteousness. And his gift of righteousness, his gift of righteousness, what is called the gift of what? So the Bible said the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God. So what's the gift of God? The gift of righteousness. So what's the gift of God? See, because you just can't say righteousness, can you? Because there are three different righteousnesses. But only one is a free gift. Come on, clap your hand. Thank the Lord. It's a free gift of righteousness. There's only one free gift of righteousness, and that's God's son. Christ is God's righteousness. He's a free gift of God. All right. I just want to make sure I don't run over that. Because that is so important until if you don't get that, you're not going to be able to understand God's word. Now, let's show you one more. That's Romans chapter 5. Write down the word manifest it, because I'm getting ready to go into some things to show you. To understand the new covenant, you have to understand these two words. When you talked about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the word was manifested. It's the manifested word. Say that with me. It's the manifested word. It's the manifested word. All right. Now, here's a definition for the word manifested. Clearly visible to the eye. So when, when something has been manifested, it's what clearly visible to the eye. Now, Jesus was manifested in the flesh. We're going to show you that. That means he was clearly visible to the eye. Now, you got to understand in the new covenant, 
we have the same Jesus glorified who have all authority and all power, both Lord and Christ, but you can't see him. So you have to understand why God gave you his faith and why you have to have his spirit, why you have to have his spirit, why you have to be born of the spirit, because you can't operate over there. I'm using the two sides. I'm saying this is the cross. If I'm on this side, I'm before the cross. So here's a manifested Jesus. All I got to do is believe who he is, believe he's the Christ, the son of the living God, and God saved me. Over there, I don't see him. Same God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I don't see him, I only got his word. Over here, the word of God was made flesh. Over here, the word of God is spirit. So I can't preach what John preached over here to get you saved, because this is the word of life. Over here is the spirit of life. And I got to know the difference. Okay. Now, I'm not there. I gave you Romans 4.25. Romans 4.25, I want that in the NLT. Romans 4.25. Now in Romans 4.25, this is why Jesus Christ was teaching you about the resurrection. Showing you that he had to be raised from the dead. The Bible said he was handed over to die. I'm showing you manifestation. But he was manifested, I'm going to show you, so he can die. If he wasn't in the flesh, he couldn't die. So you have to know what he, he came over here for a purpose. His purpose over here, he had to do something, and he had to do it in the flesh. He had to get us from flesh back to spirit. And to do that, he had to come in the flesh himself. But he had to come in the flesh to die. Now, all this, I'm showing all of this because what hurts me is when you say you have God's love in you, do you understand that means God's love is a giving love? God's love is an obeying love. See, it's both. And so if I got this love in me, then I have to be a cheerful giver. If I got his love in me, I have to obey his word. Because his love in me constrains me to do that. Ain't that right? All right, all right. He was handed over to, the, to die because of our sins. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. He was made... <coughs> I'm sorry. He was raised to life to make us right with God. All right. Now, that's the resurrection. So we know why he was raised from the dead, to make me right with God. Now, I, my whole point is when I see all of this... And all of this supposed to be in me. And it's what I'm supposed to be believing of him. Why does it affect my life? Why does this change me? Why, why this can't change me? When I understand his love for me.
All right. Now, let's, let's go into this because let's go to Romans 5. Let's go to Romans. Let's go to Romans 5, 6 to 8. So my job today is to show you the word made flesh, but I want to show you why. Why did God come in the flesh? It's just not, well, he came in the flesh. Yeah, but if he had not come in the flesh, you would have remained in the flesh forever. My, if I could say it like this here, why you don't love him? How is it that you don't love him? And if you say you love him, why can't you demonstrate it? Why can't you walk in it? He put his spirit in you so he could walk in his love through you. So if his spirit is in me, why, is it, why it can't happen? <coughs> For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. He died for me when I was ungodly. Had no God in the world. I was without God in the world. And yet he still died for me. The Bible says, Scarcely for a righteous man with one dare to die. For a preadventure a good man. If it was a good man, some would dare to die for a good man. But you were no good man. But God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Now that's an awesome thing because when Christ died for me, I didn't even know nothing about this. 2,000 years ago, I knew nothing. And, but my point is, I know now. Amen. So if I know now that he died for me, how can I keep living the life I'm living? I know he died for me so I can live for him. Now you didn't hear what I just said. He died for me so I can live for him. Now, my point is, if you believe he died for you, why can't you live for him? See, you, you can't say, if, if, you really believe, if you really believe he died for you, he empowers you to live for him. So when you can't live for him, do you really believe he died for you? Because something wrong with this picture. See, the Holy Spirit, if I believe he died for me, he gave me the Holy Spirit so I can live for him. So my point is, if I say I believe that he died for me, then I can't live for him. Something is wrong here somewhere. Do everybody understand what I'm saying? All right, now let's go back. But God commended his love for me, toward me. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, let me show you that verse. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's go to verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 14. The love of Christ, this is what God loved us. The love of Christ constrains us controls us. See, there's no way, see, you got to check your salvation out. Because if I got, if I believe in his death, being resurrection, then I have received the Holy Spirit, so why can I live for it? Why can I walk in love and walk in obedience towards him? For the love of Christ constrains, constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Watch this continuation. And that he died for all, why? That they which live, 
should not henceforth live to themselves. So you're not, you're not to live for yourself no more. You're living now to him which died for them and rose again. So if, if he died for me, why can't I live for him? Something wrong with that picture. I'm not your judge, but I would like for you to look at your life. And if you really believe in Christ died for me, then you ought to be able to live for him. But if you do not believe that Christ died, buried, and raised again for your justification, you are not empowered by the Holy Spirit to live for him. You can't do it. And what you have to do for yourself is be honest with yourself. You have to sit down sometime and say, you know what? Boy, you ain't saved a bit. You have to tell your own self that. You have to look in the mirror and say, you know what? <laughs> Boy, you ain't saved. To yourself. Because if I was, why can't I live for him? Why can't I? God empowers you with the Holy Spirit to live for him. Come on, give your hand. Give, us, give your Lord a big hand. You know, I got a lot of things I'm going to be talking about in the near future. One of them is a wife thing. Me and my wife is putting together something uh, that we're going to put together because we just celebrated the, the 50 years. So now we're going to do, write some about it. And I, it's going to be very encouraging because we want to make sure this is something that we put on, on uh, podcasts and do the thing like that. But the reason we are going to do this is because I want to be able to share the people. You can say 50 years, but how do you get to 50? Because if you can't walk in love, you're going to worry about no 50. you got to be... Listen, to walk in love means to walk in forgiveness. Amen. See, if you got to understand how did God love us, he forgave us. And a lot of us say we think we're walking in love. You're not walking in love. You can't forgive five people in one day. You can't just pick out five and show them to forgive five a day and that's it. No, if you're going to walk in love, you have to forgive every person that comes in your contact of what anybody said or did anything against you, you got to be able to love. And if you can't pray for them, you, you can't love them. See, you got to understand, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. See, the key is how you stay married 50 years, you got to learn how to forgive. You got to learn how to forgive. And you can't wait till tomorrow because the, the word said, let not the sun go down on your anger. So you got to forgive every day. And that's what people don't want to do. But they want to walk in love. And Christ died for me before I got saved. Before I knew anything about salvation. He had already provided for me. But yet, we can't walk in love. You can't do it if you don't have the Holy Spirit. All right, now, let's go on. Let's go to 1 Timothy 3.16. I'm going to show you some things like this. Because this is what God gave me. I have two other messages that I supposed to be ministered on. But the one of the things he shared with me was this. And he showed me how he had already died, buried, and raised again from the dead. And yet, 
we are not walking in the love of God. And we are saying we got the Holy Spirit. And then he gave me the message for that. That's coming. It's coming. Because that's, that's what he gave me for the day. And he showed me. I'm going to give you a full taste. Just a glimpse. One verse. Let's do this first. Where you at? Where you at? Now I'm waiting on my verse to come what I got, right? What I said? Well, that's what I'm waiting for. Isn't it? 1 Timothy 3.16. In 1 Timothy 3.16, he's going to tell you everything that God did for you. This is one of the most powerful verses, I think, in the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. It summarizes what God did when he came here in the flesh. It said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And then he's going to name the things. Number one, God was manifested in the flesh. Uh-uh. First Timothy 3.16. First Timothy 3.16. First Timothy 3.16. Yeah, they got it back that wrong. And without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness, number two. Number one, I'm sorry. Here it is. God was manifest in the flesh. Number one, God was manifest in the flesh. Number two, God was justified in the spirit. Now, you got to understand what he just got through saying to blow your mind. Because justification means made right with God. God's son had to be made right with God. So you got to understand, you got to understand what he went through. He took your place. He was made to be sin. Once he did that, he could not get back over here until he's born again of the Spirit. To see how God did that with his own son, he is called the first begotten from the dead. He's called the firstborn. So you need to be writing these down. He's looking at me. Write them down. He's the first begotten from the dead, because I'm going to want these scriptures. And then he's called the firstborn of every creature. So if he's the firstborn, you could not have been born unless he was born first, just like it was Adam. So you have to understand what happened to him. He was justified in the spirit. Now you're going to tell me he had to be justified in the spirit and you telling me justification in the spirit can come by water baptism? That's what people deceived. 90% of churches think you have to be, take water baptism and take communion to be saved. And it has absolutely zero to do with your salvation. Without controversy, the greatest the mystery of God is number one, God was manifested in the flesh. Number two, God was justified in the spirit. He was made righteous in the spirit. He had to be born of the Spirit. Third, he was seen of angels. Third, he was seen of angels. Number four, he was preached to the Gentiles. See, God, Paul preached Christ to the Gentiles. Didn't say anything about preached. He was preached to the Jews. No, Jesus preached to the Jews. 
Paul preached to the Gentiles. And Paul yet put in the word that Jesus Christ was preached to the Gentiles. How do you know? He preached to the Gentiles. Jesus did not preach to the Gentiles. He preached to the Jews. And this Bible did not say God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Jews. It didn't say that. God preached this gospel to the Gentiles. So you can play around all you want to. And then he was believed on in the world and then he went back to glory. Or he went back into the spirit realm and back to who he is and was before he came in the flesh. He went back to his original place with the Father. So that's an awesome, that's an awesome passage. Now, who got these? Here we go. Verse says, "Who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn." What verse am I at there? Colossians one fifteen, I think it is. I don't see no scripture, but down that left corner, there it is. I thought I saw. It. Evidently, y'all are not going to help, so I come out here and see it. <laughs> Colossians 1.15. Thank you very much. See that screen? I can't see it, but the one in front of me, I can't. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of every creature. Well, if He's the firstborn of every creature, and you are a new creature in Christ, can't you see how that had to go on? But He had to be the firstborn. And then here's the next verse, Revelation 1 and 5, I think that's what it is. From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us. Now watch what it says. From our sins in his own blood. Now this is such an awesome thing. A person saying they're a believer and only three things that God told you in his believing that you have to do is that believe that number one, his death is buried and resurrection. And yet, through his own life coming here, he died for our sins. And you know how many people say they believe that? And yet, you got people today, this morning, still struggling with sin. Because they don't believe that Jesus Christ died for their sin. Let me tell you something. If you still have sin in your conscience... It will destroy your soul. Let me say it again. If you still have sin in your conscience, it will destroy your soul. Let me show you a verse. I mean, I don't want to miss this one. I think it's Hebrew 9, 22 or 24. Hebrew chapter 9, verse 22 and 24. I want the one that says, He purged our country from dead works. 14. I'm sorry, I'm not in it. Hebrew 9, 14. 
from the book of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. Put that on the screen. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, watch what he did, he offered himself without spot to God. This is what Christ did. Offered himself without spot, without spot to God, purged our conscience. Purge what? If I still have sin in my conscience, what happens? I just got through telling you. It will destroy your soul. Because sin is the power of Satan. So when God saved you, he cleansed your conscience. So if he cleansed your conscience from dead works, from sin, so you can serve, put the scripture up there, he cleansed our he purged our country from dead works so we can serve the living God. Well, if he cleansed my country with his own blood, I just showed you that in Revelation 1 and 5. Put it back up there again, Revelation 1 and 5. Well, if he already washed my country with his own blood, then why do I still have sin on my conscience? And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us, he talking about our conscience, from our sins in his own blood because we have sin in our conscience. Remember, Eve ate and Adam ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So then they had sin in their conscience. And that sin condemned their conscience. So that's why when you're in Christ, there's no more, because there's no more sin in the conscience. No more condemnation. So you need to be able to understand if, if you got sin still condemning your country, then you need to understand something. You need to be saved and start playing with God. This is what he did for us. All right, let's move on. Let's go to 1 John. No, we got one more in Timothy. 1 Timothy 1.15. Let's do one more. 1 Timothy 1.15. Is this helping you out at all? And 1 Timothy 1.15. See, if I, if, if I say I'm saved, that means I don't have a guilt of conscience. God has cleansed my conscience from sin. Now, do that mean that I can't never mess up again? Oh, yeah, you can still do something wrong. But you don't have this, the, the sin in the conscience. Any believer who do anything wrong is the first to apologize. And nobody knows nothing about it but them. They can't stop apologizing. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Sorry, you just sorry, sorry, sorry. That's where you begin. Because that's what you know. You know you, that's something you should have done. But God will not put the sin back on the conscience. Because if he did, the sin would condemn you. That's why he asked the disciple, he asked the, he asked the woman when she came, See, if I don't want, I, I could go back there and read that, but I'll let you do it. When he, he brought that woman to him, he said to her, where are your accusers? If any man accuse you, no man, Lord. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Amen. Do any man condemn you? No. Go and sin no more. Neither do I. Amen. See, what happened is, he cleansed her conscience. See, that's why Romans 8, 1 said, there, therefore, now. See, that's why Paul was so grateful when they told him he could be water baptized and be saved. And he realized in Romans chapter 7 that 
when I would do good, sin is always present. So he realized that sin was present, it's in my conscience. So he realized there was something still missing. Water could not wash my conscience. So he had to find out, and that's why he found out when he get over into uh, Romans chapter 8, then he would start out, there's, there is a shout new victory song. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who in Christ. He found it out. He didn't have the Bible to go to. He found it out by the Holy Spirit that God had cleansed his conscience. He realized the water couldn't do it. The blood of Christ Jesus our Lord cleansed my conscience from dead works so I can serve the living God. That's what he's telling you. And thank God he did. Amen? That's why I don't have to go to bed at night with my conscience condemning me. And that's why God says, if, if your conscience condemns you, even if it's trying to condemn you and judge you about something, always remember that God is greater than your conscience. Somebody say amen. That means I should be able to say the devil's a lie because God has forgiven me. You got to be able to take the word of God against your enemy. The weapons of our welfare are not common. They are mighty through God, but they're to the pulling down the stronghold. So I got to be able to say in the middle of that situation, God has forgiven me. And I use that to defeat my enemy. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now in 1 John, let's go back to 1 John 1, 1 and 2 now. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 1, 15. I'm going to finish that first. Right? Watch what he said. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Jesus Christ came into the world. Remember the word would make flesh. He came into the world to save sinners. Now my point is, if he came to save sinners, did he do it? Yes. See, that's what people don't understand. We think, we don't, we don't understand how God works. God came and, set, and saved all sinners. And then put all sinners on the same playing field. And now all sinners have to do right now is run to the border. No, it's not the border. But make sure, make sure you run to Christ. Huh? Make sure you hear the gospel, believe the gospel, which is Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Because he's already provided everything you needed. So you don't have to go out and kill a calf. You don't have to go out and do all this other stuff. Christ did all that through his sacrifice. He died for all. Now he's and, and died for all once and for all. So you can't go out and do this for yourself. But all you got to do is receive it now and walk in it. Amen. All right. It's not a game. All right. That was 1 Timothy 1.15. It said, this is the faithful saying, word of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, and then he admitted, he said, whom I'm chief. See, he wasn't over here talking about what well, he died for them, them folks over there, on, uh, them folks over there, they wasn't right with God. No, he said, no, I, was, I wasn't right. I'm the chief. I'm the first on the list. Amen. So you're, on, you're not, you're not going to get there until you acknowledge and that's what he just said. I, I was the chief sinner. Christ died for me. That's how I was saved. All right, let's move on. Now let's go to 1 John. 
We're going to start with chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, just two verses. Because when John wrote, John wrote about the word of life. I'm not here to put down people, churches, but the word of life is knowing Jesus in the flesh. You preaching that Jesus in the flesh, he's called the word of life. In the new covenant, he's called the spirit of life. We're going to show you that in a moment. See, the word, the word of God had to be translated, transformed. He had to go from word to flesh to spirit. That's why Jesus said, my word is spirit, my word is life. All right, here we go. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Now, this is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, which we have heard, heard, manifestation. We've seen with our eyes. We looked up on. Our hands have handled. But that was Jesus Christ. But what was he called? The Word of Life. So I can't preach the Word of Life and get you saved. Because that's Jesus in the flesh. When you, when you see that, say amen. amen. Do you see what? Do you see that? Do you see what the Bible says? You don't have to figure it out. Just let me read it one more time. Let me read it one more time before I do the next verse. Because this, this verse, they get this verse, next verse is going to blow them away. That which was from the beginning. We've heard, we've seen, but I, talking about Jesus in Genesis 1 and 1. He's from the beginning. He's from eternity. Which we've seen. He came here in the flesh. We've seen him. We heard him. We've seen him with our eyes. We looked up on him. Our hands held him of the word of life. That's what John says. It's nowhere else in the Bible. And then he's going to tell you the, the word of life. The word of life was manifested. If you didn't get it. This word of life was not revealed. See, what Paul is preaching is a revelation of the mystery. Not the mystery. If it's manifested, it's still mystery. I'm waiting on that to come back there. For the life was manifested, watch what he says. We have seen it, bear witness, show to you that eternal life. He said, this is eternal life I'm preaching, which was with the Father and was manifest to us. The word of life was what? Manifested to us. All right, let's go to 1 John 3, 5, and 8. Let's see why it wasn't manifest. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 and 8. Why was it manifest? Why did he have to come in the flesh? You know that he was manifested. <laughs> John, John said, you know. He's talking to people who know. You didn't know. You wasn't there. But his followers knew. And he told them, said, look, you know he was manifested. I mean, they had fallen around three and a half years begging for bread. Let me not say that there. Waiting for him to do another miracle. You know that he was manifested. Watch this. To take away our sins. Now watch this. 
The Bible will continually say over and over and over and over and over, he was manifested, taking away our sin. And we got believers who will stand before the Father and say, Father, I believe your word. I believe what you were heard of. I say, Korobo, Mandaha, Kesaraba, Mandalabokora. All of words. Won't do no good if you don't believe it. Do you hear what he says? He said, You know, he was manifest to take away our sins. Well, if he took our sins away, then you can't have them. And that's the whole problem with people. You sit up in a church with somebody tell you you still got sins. You can't have sins. They have been taken away. But we keep saying, I believe God. If you believe God, take him at his word. If he say he took them away, that means you can't have them. And I know that's the whole thing with people. Well, see, well, you just don't know what I did last night. You got a problem in the flesh. We ain't talking about sins. You talking about flesh. The works of the flesh, which are manifested, are these. I'm talking about sin. Sin has to do with whether you a sonship or not. Sin has to do with your nature. If you have sin in your nature, then you are a sinner. You are not a believer. You are not a son of God. Anybody? Anybody here? I'm not going to look. Do anybody hear anything I'm saying? When I receive Christ in my heart, he gives me his nature, his spirit. He cannot live in this house where sin is. He must take out the sin, and now he enters the house. Both cannot live in the same house. Your body cannot be the temple of the Holy Ghost and also the place where sin lives. When God moved in your soul, he saved your soul from sin. He delivers your soul from sin, and he moves in. Sin cannot live in your house while God is there. If you could only see what I see. Grace is more powerful than sin. You got to be able to see this thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. God saved me by grace. Grace is the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost comes inside of me, sin can't stay there. The Holy Ghost comes in with the precious blood of the Lamb. Sin can't stay there. He purged our conscience. From dead works, so we can serve the living God. The word serve means worship. You know that He was manifested to take away our sins. And in Him, I like this, because He said, In Him is no sin. Now let me say it again In Him. Well, where's Christ? Oh, He's in you? Well, in Him is no sin. It's no way. Christ can be in you and sin. 
why you think he could not save the people in the Old Covenant? Because he had not died for their sin. How can you become the temple of the Holy Ghost and they couldn't? See, when you realize what God has done, Christ died for my sin so he can move in. Now he would say, Earl Crump, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is my dwelling place. This is where I'm going to live. I'm going to live for eternity. As a matter of fact, if I ever have to move out of this dirt house, I'm taking you with me. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. God made you his own son. See, when you see this stuff, why can't you live for him? That's what I'm talking about. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 through 8. We got both of those already? I didn't do 8. He that committed sin, now the word committed there means service, which you cannot serve sin. Now somebody may be able to find me that because the Bible tells you to, be on, to serve sin, you have to be under the law. He that committed a service sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. There the word again, this is why Jesus Christ was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Let me ask you a question. What was the works of the devil? Some of y'all still don't know. Just to know what's going on. What's the work of the devil? Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 56 and read it out of the good news. 1 Corinthians 15, 56, start verse 55 out of the good news. So you got to understand the word told you that what was the power, gave you what the power of everything right there. You mark him in your Bible. God no respect the person. How do you think I remember this stuff? I'm a student. I study. I meditate. Hours and hours and hours on the word. I meditate in the word pretty much more than I study, and I know I study every day. Where, he asked the question, death, where's your victory? Death, where death is your power to hurt? Where's your power of death? And then he's going to tell you, death gets his power to hurt from sin. Death gets his power to hurt from what? Sin. From sin, and sin gets his power from what? Everybody. If sin get his power from the law, what did Jesus fulfill? And what did he do when he fulfilled the law? What did he do when he fulfilled the law? What did he do when he fulfilled the law? What did he do when he fulfilled the law? What did he do? Let me, let me read it again. See, if you heard what he just told you, death gets his power from sin. Seeing it is power from the law. Well, what did Jesus do? Why did he come here and he had to fulfill the law? Why, why was that on his mind? I got to fulfill this law. I can't break one jot of one till of this law. I got to fulfill it. Why, why, why? Because if he fulfilled the law, what would happen? 
Read it, put it back up there again. I ain't gonna stand up on the chair. Let me stand up on the pulpit. Sin gets his power from the law. So if I want to stop sin, what would I do? Ha, God Almighty, glory to God. Just take away the law. Can't you see that? Just eliminate the law. Just fulfill the law. Sin won't have nowhere to get no power from. Can't you see that? Well, death get his power. Bag it up. Death get his power from sin. What if I fulfill the law? I kill two birds and one stone. You didn't get it. If I fulfill the law, I kill two birds and one stone. First of all, sin gets his power from the law, and death gets his power from sin. So if I fulfill the law, sin gonna lose his power, and then death gonna. Do you see that? Death gonna lose his power. Come on, see, I see it. So that's why the very next verse, verse 57, says, But thanks be to God. Was given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. So you have to understand something. So go back and show you, show you again. First John 5 8. I ask you a question. He that committed sin, service sin, you can't, you're not under the law. The devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. This is why he came in the flesh, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And I ask you, what was the work? Some of y'all still ain't got sin. Just write it in your Bible, sin. It's not, it's not hard. If you go back, and, go back to Genesis, read that again. He, he said to the serpent, because you have done this. That's what he said to the serpent, because you have done this. Go to Hebrew chapter 2. Let's look at verse 14 through 17. We can get that much done. We got something done. When you say? Y'all don't give up too much. For as much then as the children of partake of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Why did he become a human being? So he could die. Now through his death, he might destroy him not only sin, but he destroyed him that had the power of what? Yes. Who had the power of death? Yes. Satan. How could he have the power of death? No, 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 no. I just showed you in 1 Corinthians 15, 56. Things are connected. So you got you to think. If he's going to destroy him who had the power of death, how did the devil have the power... Because he had the, no, he had the power of the law. You have to understand that the God gave the law. But he gave the law so sin would increase. By the law is another sin. So you have to understand something. The devil had the power of sin and death. So, so if God know, if he destroyed, why would he say, back to verse 14 again, I'm sorry. Verse 14, for as much then as he, children of partake of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death, 
This is how he's going to do it now. He's going to die. But through his death, he could destroy him now who had, who had, had, I mean, you don't have it no more. He had the power of death. The devil had the power of death. What was the power of death? That's what I'm trying to get you to see. Sin is the power of death. See, you didn't write this up. You're a little pretty Bible. <laughs> and then he delivered those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Oh, my God, should I do it? Should I do it? Should you do it, Pastor? Romans 8 and 2. Just one verse. Romans 8 and 2. For the law of the spirit of life. Remember over here you had the word of life? Amen. All right. Here in New Covenant you have the spirit of life. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Where is it? Where is Christ? Where is the law of the spirit of life? Where is Christ? Right. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free. So when God put Christ in me, already in Christ is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, right? When he put Christ in me, he freed me from the law of what? Two laws. Sin and death. I rest my case. My time is up. I thank you for yours. So he already freed you from what? All right. So stop asking him every day to forgive your sins. He's already freed you. And deliver you from sin and death. You know, you know what I like? You can never get up in the morning and say, Father, save me from death. Oh, I know I'm saved. Praise God. Then you don't think he saved you from sin. Isn't that something? He saved you from death. Why you don't believe he saved you from sin? My time is up. I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.